Hi, everyone. You have found me and my podcast, Processing the Process. I am Lisa Tams, and I am just a mom who has supported and survived having two kids, actually that's two boys, apply, pre-screen, and audition for college musical theater programs. All of these steps together, I refer to, and many people do, as the process. Thus, the name of this podcast, Processing the Process. Going through it my first time around with my oldest son, I searched for something like this podcast, and I didn't find anything. And so I decided to fill that void. And that is how this podcast was born. I hope that by listening, other parents will benefit from my experience and get insight to this very specific process. So that's a little bit about me, this podcast, and what you can expect. On with the show. Enjoy. This is episode 19 of Processing the Process, and the name of this episode is Unprecedented Times. The date today is April 8th, and this is a very strange time in our world. It is affecting everyone, everywhere, in every way. We just found out that in the United States, we will be on, we will be under quarantine longer than had originally been anticipated. So now they're saying April 29th, and these are just really uncertain times. There are kids I know out there that are college seniors, and they're trying to figure out next year and they're not able to visit schools my heart just goes out to them and all of you parents who are trying to walk with them through this but the good thing is that everyone is in the same situation everyone anyhow back to this episode um I spoke with Dylan Mulvaney, and he graduated a year ago from CCM at the University of Cincinnati. And shortly after showcasing in New York, he got cast as Elder White in the touring Book of Mormon cast, which was a dream come true for him. You'll hear about his journey thus far, including how this pandemic of COVID-19 has affected him and his work. And as always, there is a lot of good miscellaneous insight throughout our conversation to the world of aspiring musical theater students and new to the professional world musical theater actors. Dylan shares things that are just little tidbits that are good to know going forward. Also, apologies for the overlap of our voices towards the end of this episode. I am still 
making progress on my tech skills. And this has happened before. I try to work around it, but there are just some things that I can't because I want it to be heard and I'd have to cut it all out. So please have patience with that. Lastly, I would love for you to rate my podcast and leave a message for me with your thoughts about it, specific questions or suggestions, please. And you can email me at lisatams at aol.com just my name, L-I-S-A-T-H-A-M-S at AOL.com, or message me at Processing the Process, PTP. Please share this, forward it, share it with um, that could benefit. I would appreciate that, and I think that they would too. And um, that's it. On with the chat. Everyone be well, be encouraged, and... Just take the next step. It's impossible to see too far ahead right now. So um, I'm thinking of you all. Hello. Wow, you're fast. Yes. (laughs) Do you already have Anchor? I don't. Oh, wow. That was really fast. Maybe because I I usually interview moms. (laughs) Oh, it, so it they, takes us a while to figure out how to make it work. Oh, I, I live on my iPhone, so I was I was ready for this moment. Oh, how are you? I'm okay. How are How are you? I mean, getting by, making it work. Are you in Michigan? Obviously, yes, we are okay. in Michigan. Um, I'm sure you probably know that um, Frankie and Bryn left New York. Yeah, I think anyone that doesn't have to be in New York right now should not be in New York right now I just I think that it that's probably um one of the the toughest places to be in this kind of situation yes oh, you know and I'm just thinking because like I the only reason I'm like I'm not going crazy is just going on walks around my neighborhood and having mm-hmm. a backyard and um mm. luckily I'm in San Diego right now which is definitely a, a lot warmer than probably where you are and so that's been really lovely but um yeah, ooh, New York right now. I feel for all of them. I'm sending them all the good energy. Yeah, to figure out a way to at least, you know, get back maybe gradually, you know, mm-hmm. they can do like some social distanced performances. I don't well, know. well that I think the the scary part about it is that theater was the first to go and it will probably be the the last to come back. Mm-hmm. Um which is the the toughest part about the the performers and you know even auditioning is completely canceled right now so it's it's really it's a scary time yeah it is it's just such so many unknowns and I but I also keep saying that there is always even in the worst situations there is always some good if oh, you yes. look you know, if you can reframe it like that for yourself or oh my gosh, you know, yeah. just I mean, come from a different perspective. It's they're finding that positivity and, and there really is, this is an amazing time to kind of reflect and to rest. I mean, I haven't just done, you know, nothing in a, re- in a long, long time and it feels good. My body feels good. You can get all those little things that you've always wanted to do done um, or at least, you know, start working on some new goals and and it's also nice, especially if you're with your family, to to get that time. I haven't had a lot of family time in a long time, so there there are there is some good. And I just for those people who don't don't see the good yet, I, I hope that they find it. 
Yeah, I think, you know, you have to like consciously be aware of the fear that Mm -hmm. wants to make its way in and get rooted, you know, inside of you. Absolutely. And just be proactively finding ways to armor yourself against that. Yes. And I mean, also I've got now a household of people and that's what I'm like, oh gosh, parents, like this must be such a crazy time, you know, for them just to, especially with little, little ones. I'm like, oh gosh, they, they deserve a spa day after this. Somebody that I follow, Glennon Melton Doyle, Mm -hmm. she has like so many wise things to say. And this is something that um, she has had in her books, um, but is really relevant now about the recommendation on when, when your family is in crisis, how do you help your kids? Mm -hmm. And she likens it to being on an aircraft and um, what do you do when there's turbulence and you start to feel like unsettled, you look to the flight attendants and you look at their faces Mm -hmm. and as long as they're like still doing the drink service and passing out the peanuts, like, you know that you're probably good. Gonna be okay. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. and so parents are the flight attendants. Yes. And so she says, just keep passing out the peanuts. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that. And, you know, um, and it, I, I feel like I pride myself on being someone who um, I try to put a lot of joy into the world. And I, I feel like part of my reason, my purpose for being here is not only to perform, but to, to make people happy. And, um, and, and I, at the beginning of this whole pro I was having, I was just, you know, on the tour in LA when this all was happening. Um, I, I almost started to shut down a little bit and I, I felt like I felt myself kind of losing that, like, okay, well, if if this is going to happen, then I don't have to be my, my positive, um, joyful self, like that my, my, um, my task is no longer that I have to do that. But then I realized I was like, that is doing such a disservice to, you know, myself because I'm not, you know, making myself feel good by doing, doing good and putting good out in the world. And then I realized I was like, and, and this is a time when I could be, you know, making other people smile or laugh. And so yes. it's, you see so many of these awesome, you know, Instagram videos or funny little clips popping up and, um, and, or, fa- you know, FaceTimes with friends that you haven't talked to in a little while. And I'm trying to lean more into that side of things. Um, like you said, stay- finding the positive and, um, and that's what I realized. I was like, oh, you know what, if, if I can brighten one person's day today, then that is enough. And that is, um, a great reason to wake up and, and to, to be here. And yes. And even more so now, I think that being light in the world mm-hmm. is critical. Oh, ha- yes. Absolutely. To not letting the darkness overcome and, you know, eclipse mm-hmm. uh, us and our our own hearts and you know, the people that we love to uplift each other. Absolutely. And entertainment historically has been a relief 
in crisis situations, you know, how like they would send Hollywood stars out to entertain the troops mm-hmm. and, um, and that's what's, ha- it, I mean, that's what I, you watch now on Facebook and Instagram and all these, you know, people doing these live concerts and, and covers of songs and, and it just goes to show it's like, no matter what the arts will always be here. And I just hope that it makes people realize that um, funding needs to be there for the arts and that arts is so important for now these kids that are in their house and they, you know, they want to make music or they want to take a, you know, an online dance class or all these things that now I'm just hoping that people realize now that we're all confined into our homes and seeing all these things is like the arts need to be alive and they need to be well and they need to be funded. Yes. And there's nothing that can replace the arts. Oh, no. There's, there's... there's no substitute. Mm-mm. No. And, and But that's the cool. I love, too, with the arts is, like, it's always evolving and there's always a new thing. I mean, we've got our staples. We've got, you know, we've got the music. We've got dance. We've got. But now it's like it's we're 2020 and all these sort of crazy things are, you know, popping up and. Um, it's exciting how it, it evolves over the years. Yeah, and the mediums mm-hmm. have really evolved. And I I do feel also like in this situation that um, the constructive use of like social media and, you know, all the technology that has, has evolved, like this is a constructive use for it. And I feel like you know, God or the universe or whatever you believe in is saying like, look, this is what I meant this to be for you. Like a constructive with meaningful purpose tool and not a, a separating tool. Yes. And that I think it's great too, because people can't go out and take, you know, these model pictures and in these, you know, remote beaches or, you know, oh, like yeah, in their that's such a good suits. point. And, and so it's, you're seeing people without makeup on, you're seeing people in their pajamas and you are getting to see the real stripped down versions of people. And, and that is, I think actually kind of lifted this uh, unreal veil of what um, the internet has become. And I just kind mm-hmm. of hope that it, it, can stay a little bit more that way rather than go, you know, reverting so quickly back to feeling that, that pressure to put something out there that is not necessarily realistic. Um, but so I'm, so what, how has this affected your, has, is Geo's shows like, has um, anyone's shows been canceled or anything like that? Yeah. So school, Giovanni, um, yeah, his school is closed. Um, okay. Luckily, they had just done their school musical, which was Cinderella. Oh, perfect. Okay. Oh, that is so so good to hear. Yeah. But the public school, which is the program that, you know, we have done with our three older kids, Mm -hmm. um, is also closed. And um, they are supposed to be developing their all school musical. And I don't know if that's going to able to happen because it usually happens like the very end of April okay and you know it does, I mean, not likely not now. I know fingers crossed but I likely know. not yeah um, um I'm okay, so glad but, that you got to yes yes me too 
All right. So we, <laughs> I kind of like skipped way ahead just because I, just for the purpose of listeners, I know Dylan Mulvaney. That's who I'm talking to. I met him through CCM's program. Actually, he's a, a great friend of Frankie's. They went through CCM's musical theater program together and graduated um, in 19. So that is how I know Dylan. And I have like such a special place in my heart for you because when we went to Accepted Students Day, um, I was there with Frankie and Dylan was there on his own. And um, we chatted and he was just loving the program and he was kind of like talking through it out loud and I was sitting near him or next to him. I just feel like I was there when the light bulb went off and you were like, yes, this is where I, I, I remember that moment so well. And we, yeah, we were in, um, <laughs> we were in a rehearsal of some sort for one of their, their shows that we we're watching. And it's so funny because you telling this story, I'm like, I feel like sometimes I connect better with moms than I do the kids. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she, you know, you were really into it and, and um, you were having a good time too. And I totally, I had that, I, you know, I didn't have my mom there. And so I was like, I had to tell somebody like, oh my gosh, like this school is amazing and I want to go here. And you were that yes. outlet for me. And so thank you for, for being so kind and warm. And, and it's so cool that, you know, now I ended up being so close with Frankie, who we, we had no idea at that point that we'd even be going to school together let alone mm -hmm. becoming great friends. And now I've come to visit you guys in Michigan a few times and gotten mm -hmm. to know your family. And, and you guys got to come see me in the Book of Mormon, which was awesome. Yes. Yes. That was so amazing. Um, so that's another thing that I thought that I was going to start with, but <laughs> it's okay. Uh, um, shortly after graduation, like fast, you got, cast with the touring Book of Mormon company. Yes. So that it was my first audition after showcase. Jeez, that's so amazing. And this is this is not normal. Warning. No, warning, it is warning. I realize very much so that uh, that is this is not the typical situation. I will say that I had uh, sort of a relationship with the casting company before that. I was um, I had auditioned for the show when I was 17 and they had remembered me. And so but yeah I I think I had the show like five weeks after our showcase. I remember it was the day after the Tony Awards um, and I just watched the Tonys and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so inspired. And then to get that call from my agents, okay, Dylan, they want you. That was like, I mean, probably the happiest moment of my life. It, it felt like I was like, oh my gosh, I finally, I finally did it. So yeah, I went out on tour. It's starting in early July. And then I, I had been until this whole corona situation i've been touring for almost nine months now um mm. and i've been to like i think over 20 cities uh three countries um it's it's been such a, a just a, a dream and, and such a um an amazing experience and how many shows did you do in total so just uh the weekend before this past week i had just done 200 shows my lord and that was so exciting because before that I hadn't done a run more than probably four weeks or, you know, usually in summer stock or things, you don't get to do super long runs. That's especially in, in college and high school, you're used to doing only four shows or five shows and, and then it's all over. And this was where I only had nine rehearsals. 
I literally had a week and a half. And that was unexpected. You thought you were going to have more. Yes. But then they heard that I was from San Diego and they were like, oh, they were touring through San Diego. And they're like, we're just going to put you on early. So, you you know, your family can see you. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that's such a great idea. Uh, (laughs) But it ended up being, I mean, I totally blacked out. I don't remember anything that happened in that first, you know, show or two. But um, uh, that was crazy to you know the the theater that I grew up watching you know over 30 different Broadway shows and then I got to make my debut there San Diego where I currently am because of this this whole virus so we were just in Los Angeles at the Amundsen Theater which is one of the big theaters there like next to Walt Disney Concert Hall Um, and it was like my dream since I was a little boy to perform in LA just because that was kind of my Broadway growing up you know it wasn't Mm -hmm. wasn't as easy to fly to New York as it was to just drive to LA. And Mm -hmm. so I was having the best time up there. Um, I actually, I'm planning on moving to LA after the tour is finished. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. I felt like I was floating on air there. And the show was being so well received because, you know, it is a little racy, a little out there. And the people (laughs) in California, they love it. So it was such a great experience. And then last Wednesday, we did we did the show and then the next morning we woke up and, and I didn't even get an email. I, I watched it on the news. It was like Hamilton and Book of Mormon canceled for, you know, L.A. runs. And so I find out Whoa. about it via the news that I didn't have a job. Was it kind of rumbling? Um, of like, the possibility? Yes, because like I said before, like I was the most positive of people probably in my cast. And in any time anyone was like, oh, what if this virus gets us canceled? Or, and I said, don't say that. And I would get really upset because I'm so I'm yeah. really big on manifestation. And I'm really mm-hmm. big just about trying to not put anything into the universe that you don't want to come true. So I'd be like, no, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And even when things were starting to get shut down, I was like, oh, there's no way. There's no way. And of course, it was kind of heartbreaking because at first they had said the L.A. run is off and then we're going to try to pick up in two weeks in San Francisco. So uh, my whole cast was still staying in L.A. And then they made the call that San Francisco would be shut down, which we were about to do um, five weeks in San Francisco. They sent everyone home. Um, I had a great situation because I had my own car up there and I just was able to drive home to San Diego. But, you know, a lot of people had to fly and, you know, we've got some Canadians in the cast. We just became a a really big issue. And and one of the saddest parts was I didn't get to say goodbye to anyone because we didn't know that it was going to be the last show. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So how have you resolved that? Did you guys do like a big mass Zoom call? You know, we haven't yet. I've done some little FaceTimes with some of the cast and um, we've got a Facebook group that, you know, we keep each other updated with. Yeah, it's a bummer because I think no one really knows what the future holds. Like our, our next scheduled engagement, I think, is Spokane, Washington, which Washington's kind of a hot spot right now. Uh, for this virus and that's in like mid-May and they just emailed us and Mm -hmm. said you know that might not be happening they you know it's it's so hard to tell but I do know like this is going to be at least eight or nine weeks out of work it's scary because I was able to save some money which is great on the road it's just you you have a plan in place and I you know I had a budget and all of these you know things I was taking I had classes I'd sign up for in LA I had things set up in San Francisco and And then it all just kind of gets swept up from under you. They always say, whoever they is, like Dave Ramsey, you know, he's like a famous financial advisor. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you never know like what's going to happen and that you should always have four months or six months of um, living, you know, savings yes, yes. for emergencies. I mean, that sometimes just is not a, I think people don't realize, you know, maybe some of the listeners do that, like, yes, Broadway people do make a living, but it's not as large as someone maybe in TV film or some of these other entertainment outlets. So there are people on Broadway living paycheck to paycheck. Um, New York Mm -hmm. rent and expenses are are so high. It's just, it's a a really tough situation that I think it's going to be putting, especially on performers who um, don't have the funds or, you know, young people as well, like someone like Frankie or um, some Mm -hmm. of our classmates, because it's like, if you're, you know, working to just to live and to audition in the city, um, Mm -hmm. that doesn't, which most of them in your class that, you know, those, the other classmates and, and people our age doing this, you know, they're not working to save a ton of money. They're working so that they can go out and audition. And, and so yes. most of those serving jobs are all canceled and, or, you know, let go. And, and then also all the auditions are canceled right now. Um, and yeah. I'm kind of, I've heard some self tapes are still happening and, and things like that. But the reality is, is like, we don't know when, this is going to be over. So it's like, what, what can you cast for? Cause you don't know if the sh- that production is actually going to be happening or not. Yeah. And then, you know, all these summer stock schedules, how do they choose which shows they will pick up exactly. doing if and when they're able to. And a to. lot of them are college students. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of them have to go back to school. And I think the problem is there's no ending. And I think it's so up in the air that it makes a lot of performers, producers, creatives, um, just really nervous. A lot of us are planners and you kind of have to be mm-hmm. in the in the biz because, you know, you're always looking for that next gig. And right now it's just, you can't do that. Um, so I'm part of the Actors' Equity Union and they have been yes. so supportive during this entire process. That was going to be one of my questions about like, so now are you getting compensated okay. or how So does we were work? really confused, right? When it started, we, um, as a touring company, you make per diem plus salary. So like LA was a higher per diem city. Um, and, and that goes towards your rent, your food, um, any, any extra little things. Um, so they had originally said, okay, everyone stay in LA and we'll still pay you per diem. I mean, that sounded good to us we're like okay well we're not working but at least we're making this per diem and then they said okay san francisco's canceled uh everyone go home no per diem and so then we're like okay cricket cricket are we you know initially producers were kind of scared to talk about the finances of it all and and i didn't realize um how many different people would have to be involved in in the process of um kind of fighting for salary and so equity was kind of the spearheads on our part but then there's a company called the broadway league they basically kind of run broadway that's a large group of the producers and then i actually think new york state had something to do with it too because um our tours is on a production contract so that means that we're being paid the same salary as all the broadway performers in new york um, so there's different mm. tiers of, of tours so you've got production contract and then it goes down to CETA tour one, tour two, tier two, tier three. Um, and so depending on how big the tour is, what kind of stops it's going to, you are, are paid kind of by that. Um, but so we are in the deal that um, the Broadway companies got for this that all went oh. down. It's looking like we're going to be getting three weeks pay, um, which 
is great because, you know, originally we thought maybe wouldn't be anything and um, still able to file for unemployment, which a lot of people I hear are really struggling to get through because I think it's, it's such an influx of people. And at first it was like, it was, it felt like it was just the people in the arts, but now it's restaurant workers and so many, oh, yeah. so many other professions that I think it's, it's just, it's an overload. The other scary part of it that I haven't mentioned is our tour is already ending in August. Like we have a, a set date where is our last city stop. And then I believe the tour will come back sometime in the next year, but maybe at a different pay level, I could potentially still be a part of that company. But our group that we are with right now will be ending in August. And so the longer this goes on, the less likely we are to come back and and to be together again, performing the show. Multiple Mm -hmm. tours have already canceled. I think one or two Broadway shows have canceled. I would be so upset to see this experience that, you know, such a high in my life and my biggest accomplishment thus far end on such abrupt point. I'm just hope it can all get cleared up because then we have like a month in Denver in June that I was really looking forward to. We're going to Cincinnati. That would be so special to be back in my college town. So just, yeah, we're, yes. we're really hoping that we can come back from this. And I also realize it's not about the money. It's I love doing what I what I do and I, I wouldn't really even have to be paid for it. I know, don't I actually I should get that off the record. But it just it made me realize how happy I was going to work every day and um, to be, you know, doing such a, a large scale production with people who are really kind and and talent. The talent is just off off the charts. Um so I think that's what I've realized the most during these past two weeks is that like, oh my gosh, I love my job and I, I'm heartbroken mm-hmm. that I don't, I don't get to perform every night. Cause like I said, like, I, I feel like I'm on this earth and God put me here to bring joy and to make people laugh and smile. And that's what I was doing. So yes. yeah, I'm just hoping to get back there as soon as possible. Another point that I want to bring up that I know um, would be helpful to parents listening, but also any kids who are mm-hmm. you know, hopeful collegiate MT program students in the future was that the experience of your senior year being cast oh, okay, or yes. not cast I would, I would and um, how it translated into the okay. real world. So I will actually just say not even versus senior year, but the, my whole time at CCM I never had a, a lead part I never had a big supporting part and sometimes I wasn't cast period um but I kept reminding myself uh you know okay Dylan you're very specific you don't fit you know every show but I I knew what I did and I knew that I did it well and that you know CCM just at the time wasn't wasn't doing those shows for me you know at times it really weighed on me and my heart and and thinking, should I be here? Am I talented? And am I enough? It sometimes it felt too like I had to work a thousand times harder than some of my other peers, just based on either how they looked or like how they sang. Or and that was it was really frustrating and um, sometimes uh, uh, kind of depressing. But um, I never gave up, mm-hmm. and I I just always told myself I was like, this is is not necessarily a reflection of the real world because. You know, there's 65 of us in this program and there's thousands and thousands of people in New York City auditioning for musicals. 
So I, I kind of just did my own thing and it went in senior year. Um, I did, uh, I had a small little part in, in Godspell, which was my last show there and then ended up not doing our, our big spring musical the hunchback, um, which felt good because then I could, you know, I got a job and I saved some money and, and, um, and so I, I don't regret anything, you know, as far as my time there and, um, and how it all went. I'm, I'm really glad that I wasn't assuming that I was going to get every big part when I stepped into New York City. It kind of prepared me um, for the worst in a way. Um, but then getting to New York, I realized I was like, oh, I'm this specific thing that a lot of people need and that I, I can fulfill. Like, and, and with Book of Mormon is like, I know I look like a Mormon boy. I sing really high. I, you know, I've, I'm kind. I'm, I'm, I've got all the attributes that I need to do this. And so that was, you know, that was mm-hmm. my time to then be like, oh, okay, those boys in, in, in school that got everything, they are, they aren't perfect for this thing, but I am. Um, and so that's what it's. It, mm-hmm. You just gotta wait for your moment because you will have it. Yeah, I'm so glad. And specifically senior year, I feel like I spent um, the other three years just trying to prove to everyone I was like oh look I can sing look I can dance look I can act and then senior year it kind of it all that that kind of melts away and it's like oh this this is what I do and if if you like it then great and if not that's okay too and it's not a standoffish thing it's just Mm -hmm. oh okay I, I I have a better grasp of who I am as a performer and as just as a person in general and that became very clear we did these um these cabarets um, our senior year I did mine and it became so evident that like I knew who I was I knew what kind of material I should be doing Mm -hmm. and that was like that Mm -hmm. was my big moment whereas like that's all I needed I I didn't need to be a lead in in one of the shows I just was so happy that people got to see me do um, what I do best yeah. So, yeah. I mean, CCM, it's amazing program. I mean, you know, the production value is incredible and it's, it's, it feels very Broadway-esque. Yeah. I wasn't one of the ones that it got a ton, but now look, you know, it's like, I, I, I got a, a Broadway musical right after school. So it just, it goes to show like, you know, you, you can, you can do it even if in school it, it, it didn't play out. Yeah. So that I think is, is a really important thing to, here and I can imagine a parent letting that fear you know that voice say like wait are they going to be able to make a living right and I think um what helped so much is that my both my parents both of them were always so like you know if I I didn't get the show or I didn't get the part I wanted or whatever and they're just you know telling me oh you know what you're so great like don't even worry about it. And that was so helpful because I think as a parent, the best thing you can do is just remind your child it's not the professional world. It's it's a it's all preparation and it's education. Just lifting your kid up and making them feel good. You don't have to sugarcoat things and you don't have to be unrealistic, but just um showing them kind because you know that's it hits us hard you know when we don't get something we really want or um when we don't feel talented or and I think just it's so important to have um you know whether it be parents or a coach or just someone there to be your cheerleader um because that's how you get back in the game Mm -hmm. and that's how you you go back and you you show up to class the next day and say oh well you know what my my dad still really believes in me and, and wants me here. 
So um, I'm going to, I'm going to do this for him or I'm going to do this for my vocal coach or, you know, my dance teacher at home because they're, Mm -hmm. you know, your support system in this biz is the probably the most important thing. And um, if you don't have one, it's, it's tough to succeed because having a great Mm -hmm. family or, you know, community or to, to kind of lean on a little bit um, is, is really, uh, really important. So important. And I do think that, um, you know, the point of not being cast, it's a really good reflection of the world that you're entering into in that you clearly are incredibly talented. But the shows that were happening were not ideal parts for you and it was no reflection on your level of talent just didn't play into exactly and people that did get a ton of parts were the people that you know came off as more age 30s or age 40s you know and I'm here looking like Mm -hmm. a 15 year old and um which I'm now realizing (laughs) I'll work longer but uh, (laughs) but uh oh what I was saying is that now that we're in the the real world of things we're really only going to be cast as teenagers or early 20s we're not going to be you know cast as 30 or 40 year olds anymore Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. those that were doing those roles in college now have to wait a little while because their type is Mm -hmm. older and so I've heard that when you get into the biz out of college it's like you might you might do well right away if you're a really strong dancer because you know dancers tend to be on the younger side um, or if you if you play very mm-hmm. young, um, because that's kind of the two opportunities mm-hmm. there to be cast as, as a young person and professionally. My classmate that might look a little older in a few years then might start aging into these roles like Jean Valjean and Les Mis or the Phantom and the Phantom of the Opera that they were born to play, but they, just, yeah. they had to wait 10, 15 years before they could you know, really what we're going to start seeing with um, Mm -hmm. people that we know. And, and as people leave the business and they come and go, you know, who stays in it and then was right to stay in it because these incredible opportunities will start popping up for them. Yeah. I've always gone back to a large part of succeeding is just how long can you persevere? There was Um, a conversation we had at, at CCM with the head of our program, Aubrey Berg. He said, he was like, okay, like now we have to be realistic. And it's like, are you going to stay in this for a year if you don't get a a job? Are you going to stay in it for five years? Are you going to stay in it for 10 years? And like, Mm -hmm. he's like, these are actually things that you have to think about because, you know, as, as time goes on, you have to know exactly, you know, how much you want this and, and how much it's worth. You know, because it's, you know, at some point you do have to, you know, you might want to start a family, you might want to leave the city, you might want to, you know, go back to school. There's so many options out there. Um, But it is, it's just, it's Mm -hmm. good to have a reflection on, um, you know, like how long you really want to be doing this and how much you want it. Um, I remember one of the things that really stuck with me that Frankie's agency he mentioned they said we see a future for you you may have to wait a while that is 
completely true. And some agents are a little strict, like, okay, you have to book a, a gig within a year, or you've got two years to book a gig. But the ones that really believe in you are the ones that signed you for the long haul and are the ones that know that you aren't just some expiration date. So coming back to mm-hmm. the whole like being young thing, that's why I'm going to move to LA because I think that this is a great time to strike while the iron's hot with for TV film. I think TV film is one of the things mm-hmm. that as you get older, it does get to be a little more difficult. And especially right now, there's a ton of awesome, you know, young teen TV shows coming out, you know, whether it be the CW or Disney or so I, I was like, you know what, that's mm-hmm. something that's always interested me. And I will also say for all the parents and listeners out there, just that like as much as a musical theater degree is to do musical theater and to be on Broadway, there are a million and one other things that you can do with this degree. I think it's the perfect stepping stone Mm -hmm. um, for anything, any career in life, because it, it gives you so many awesome tools. I'm already realizing that Broadway is not the be all end all. It is it's a goal to have. And it's it's something that I want to accomplish in my life. But you know, I, I don't want to fixate on one thing when there's a 1000 other things that are out there for me that I'm interested in. So yeah, I'm gonna try something a little new and and see how that goes. Are you working with your yeah, so that's been that. an int- it's kind of funny. I was in New York for a hot minute. And I felt like I actually started to understand how the industry works out there. And Um, you know, I got my agent and went on some auditions and, um, I had an idea of what that was like. And now being on tour and, uh, filling my life up so much with all these things that I was like, okay, well now I want to try something different. And, and now realizing how vastly different LA and TV film is than theater. Um, and it is so much who, you know, you know, do you have an uncle that can get you an, you know, an agent out there, Mm. you know, it's. It's really, it's a, it's very frustrating mm-hmm. actually, because it's not as, you can't go to open calls like you can in theater and you can't, you know, be sending, you know, your resumes into agents the same way you can in New York. But uh, yeah, I've, I've spoken with my agent. They're very supportive. They um, aren't super active in LA. So they're going to help facilitate maybe a manager. Um, but they also are open to keeping me for just theater and then um, me finding other representation for TV film, um, which I think, because ultimately being, you know, bi-coastal would be a dream and to be able to do the theater and TV thing um, would be awesome. Yeah, and so much has moved towards the fluidity between stage and Because there's just, there's such um, an influx right now of of programming on Netflix and Hulu and people, they need actors and they need... um, they need people who have great energy and that's what musical theater performers are. Um, they're used to, I think they're used to kind of be a stigma against us for TV film that we were too big or um, too loud or, you know, not great actors, but I mean, that is mm-hmm. just becoming apparent that that's not the case. And so I'm just, I'm hoping that the theater schools like musical theater schools will start implementing even more TV film classes and, and more opportunities to do other things than just singing, dancing, and acting, because that will become the reality very soon. And did CCM do? Um, we did have a semester of a TV training? film class where, um, you know, we worked on a commercial and we worked on, you know, like a student film. And um, I just think that something like more real world, as far as like getting us a reel 
um, or, you know, helping us build a, a portfolio of on screen, on camera, um, that would really help us more so now that I'm, I'm realizing that those are just tools uh-huh. that I don't have right now. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more of that would be very helpful. I know there's going to be a big turnover at CCM pretty soon. I think there's a new head of the program coming in and, and that's always exciting because, you know, they're, they're usually open to hearing what people need. And I'm actually very willing to reach out to him and and let him know, um, you know, what I think would benefit Mm -hmm. the students just because once you've been through it and then you kind of step through the looking glass and into the real world, it's like you realize what really worked and clearly a lot of it is amazing. But there are a few little things that I think could totally be implemented and and really help. Well, and that's what access to alumni for everyone, for students and faculty. It's a special perspective. Kind of riffing off of that, the network of people that you get after, you know, you've graduated from your school, those are the people that you need to be reaching out to. We have, you know, incredible alumni, Tony winners and Um, all sorts of Broadway producers, but also people that go into different, you know, whether it be like a realtor that's going to help you find an apartment or an accompanist. Mm -hmm. Um, These are all people that are are willing Mm -hmm. to help you and want to help you because there's a bond. Once you've gone to school at a place, you know what people have gone Mm -hmm. through and you know what classes they've taken and, and they want to share in that experience and helping you. Um, so I think that is one of the reasons I have mm-hmm. been as successful as I've been. And now I feel knowledgeable just based on I'm reaching out to these alumni. And I actually, during our LA run, I just had breakfast with Jason Gray, who just finished uh, playing the Wizard and the Wicked tour, but he graduated CCM, oh gosh, maybe in like the 80s, the 70s, maybe. And so cool to sit down with someone who, you know, and and of course he had different teachers and, but we had a shared experience there. And also him realizing he was so happy to, to meet with me. And, and I, I mean, I was so honored that he would share time with me. That is something that my generation has kind of lost a little bit is this act of networking because people think that social media is networking, which in ways it is. And it is kind of our, our new brand of doing, but a lot of these people that would be great to get a hold of, say Jason, you know, who's from the class of 70s or 80s, like those are not the people that are on social media. So th- that's when you mm-hmm. actually get on the phone and you call somebody or, you know, you ask somebody out for coffee. And that is the most invaluable advice I can give to people coming up in this industry. And I mean, I'm just starting out as well, but taking the time to, um, make personal connections and not just send a, you know, a tweet or whatever, a, you know, a Facebook messenger. I think that is so important because it shows that we're real humans and that we have a shared experience. Say, you know, we both went to the same school or um, we're both from the same hometown. It's mm-hmm. such a beautiful thing. The things that we can learn um, from our elders and from, you know, people who have a little more life experience than us. That is such a great point. It's true beyond Absolutely. just this industry. Networking and newly entering the work world is not a time to Mm-mm. be shy. Being bold and reaching out, you're not like using, there's a tendency to be like, they don't know me. Why would they care about helping me? But it is the time to be finding any networking opportunity 
like um, sometimes that's how you get a gig is because you invited someone to coffee and they said, oh my gosh, my friend is doing this, this concert and you know, you do their concert for free. And then what do you know? There's a director in the audience and, and you get, you know, called in for an audition the next week because of it. It's not using, it's being graciously, you know, asking for help and you know, we all need to not be afraid to ask for help because we all need it sometimes. And, and there are people willing to give it. And again, that this coronavirus, and I think that this is all leading to giving us a minute to look at the value that we have to offer each other and how we can help each other move forward more kindly and peacefully yeah there's strategy in that but it's not exactly like a and it's, it's all how I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's out of the place you if you come from a malicious place or a place of getting ahead then that's how it's going to come off but if you're coming from a place of let me learn let me connect with you let me see how you're doing like very genuinely that will go such a long way and, and just thinking about it too is like like taking this time to I know we can't get together you know no one should be really getting together in person right now, but sending a card, you know, like a real card in the mail to someone or real, like a greeting card, card. the written, the the audacity. Yeah. Um, But like I, I I did that um, (laughs) after my college auditions, I I would send them to, you know, whoever my auditioners were. Um, I think that's a really classy thing to do because, you know, it's, you know, thank you for your time. It's another time for them to see your name. Those are the kind of things right now that we can be doing that um, really will go the extra mile. And and when all of this is kind of lifted, that's the the kind of stuff people are going to remember. Less about, you know, what you do or what you say, but more about how you make them feel. And, um, and that I think is is such a powerful, um, a powerful thing. A powerful truth. Yeah, just in in humanity, in general. Yeah. How do we make each other feel? Like I said earlier, I do think that this great pause, someone's calling it, has a purpose. All right. So a couple Mm -hmm. of just practical questions. Being on tour, what kinds of things, especially being right out of college, did you learn that would help somebody not have to go through the experience of having to learn in terms of self-care and things that you need to have. Yes, packing cues. (laughs) It it was such a, there was only so much people could tell me that I really just kind of had to get thrown into it. And I did, I'd ask like everyone and their mother, like, what do I do? What do I need to, you know, because I wanted to be so ready. The best you can do entering any first professional job is being as off book as you can and just know, like, I knew every single note of the music on the page. I knew every single word of, of the songs and even, you know, words that weren't mine, just in case. And that set me up for um, success because otherwise, you know, I, like I said, I had nine rehearsals and I was in a city, you know, that I, I had never been in before mm-hmm. and, and living in a hotel room. And that's why it's like, if you can really prepare yourself as much as possible, that's how you get ahead other things oh just little things like it's really easy when being on tour to kind of lose touch of 
the world outside and it kind of becomes your little bubble. And, and so I, I really make a point to, you know, talk to my parents once every few days, um, connecting with friends from college. Um, and, and, and also like, you know, I had some picture frames that I brought on tour with me, um, you know, candles for the hotel room, just little things to, you know, make it feel less of kind of that you're this like robot doing this musical and more so that like I'm a human being experiencing this tour. I'm trying to think what else, staying healthy, you know, being traveling all the time, every single week that takes a real toll on your body. So obviously, you know, I take supplements and I don't, I don't really drink. So I think those are all things that, you know, this mm -hmm. as a first gig, it feels different because it's like, I am not only proving to, you know, this company and this, this, this production that like, I can do this, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of speaking to the whole industry on what kind of person and performer I am, because, mm -hmm. you know, any job that I book after this, they're going to go mm -hmm. to the Book of Mormon and say, how was Dylan? And, you know, and, you know, I want them to mm -hmm. say, oh, he, you know, he didn't call out of the show. He didn't go out drinking. He, um, you know, took really good care of his voice. He was always kind to the crew backstage. And, and those, those are the things that, you know, it's mm -hmm. as much as you have to live in the moment, you also have to be thinking about the future and, and how this is going to impact um, your, your next gig. Um, I remember you saying that you were staying in hotel rooms and that you couldn't wait to get to the point where you were staying in Airbnbs to be able to like have a kitchen and yeah. And that is the best, a different um, kind of home base. I think that um, having your own space and especially like, I've, I actually realized I love rooming with people um, just, you know, have someone to come chit chat when you're, when you're back in at the hotel or an Airbnb. But, um, that is, if, if anyone's going on tour or any of your kids end up going on tour, like really pushing for an Airbnb, because that way they've got a kitchen, they can cook and, you know, make a meal instead of just ordering Uber Eats every day. Um, and having a living room where they can have people over mm -hmm. to watch a movie. And, um, because that's, you know, you need to have a home and you need to, um, feel like you have a, a safe place to come home. And that's one other last little thing is if anyone gets the chance to tour is, is just making a point to at least see one thing specific to that region or area with however long you're there so that it doesn't just become work. It becomes you really experiencing um, this opportunity that you're having traveling around the country. So, you know, I've got some random stories and things that I, I did, but I, I'm so glad that I didn't just treat it like a work trip where I, I made sure I had some fun in there too. What's like the most amazing thing that you saw? Oh my God. I was in Canada in the Saskatchewan in like the middle of nowhere. My Uber driver was part of a first nations tribe and took me to a sweat lodge ceremony. It was what? September and it was blizzarding. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, like in this sweat lodge, like I literally thought I was going to die because it was so hot. And I was like, oh my gosh, I might die right now in <laughs> the middle of Canada. But like, that is just something that like, you can't, you can't make that up. Like it's things like that. And it's less like, of course I did, you know, some of the other, I did the rock and roll hall of fame in Cleveland, but it's those weird quirky experiences that you have that you just say yes to. And those are the ones that I'm going to be telling my kids, you know, 20 years from now. And then your 200th performance 
how do you keep that, up you know, it's, your momentum? That is such a good question because there is this tendency to feel like you just want to go on autopilot. Um, but it's the funny because the second you do is that those are the, t- the, the moments you start screwing up and you start forgetting things. Oh, this show is a lot of first musicals for people. A lot of, you know, men who get dragged there by their wives because it's by the creators of South Park. I think about all those people mm, that mm-hmm. spend a lot of money to see, you know, they probably got a nine to five and this is their big date night or, you know, whatever that might be. And I'm doing it for them or I'm doing it for the tween in the audience that has been listening to the cast album for four years and finally gets to see it. And so that's how I think I try to keep it fresh every day or finding one person. Cause we do, you know, we see people in the audience and I, if I see someone really enjoying it, I'm like, okay, today's yeah. for them. Yeah. I mean, it, it's doing it for the people that are in, in the audience paying good, good money to see you. Yeah. Um, just kind of trying to bring this full circle. Another really outstanding moment that I remember is your showcase. And oh, just thank you. you killed thank your you. showcase songs. They were so, so thank absolutely you. perfect for you. Really, truly just. I picked songs that I loved. Like I I sang um, Simple Sponge from Spongebob and I did this song called Don't Even Know It from Everybody's Talking About Jamie. And those are two songs that like not super well known by any means in the musical theater community, but they were so unapologetically myself. I'm so glad Mm -hmm. that I took the risk of of doing stuff that, you know, material that not a ton of people knew, Um, but they were both new shows. They're both kind of pop and um, very fresh. And, you know, one of them was very feminine. And that kind of, I think a lot of the times was kind of frowned upon. Like it was like, oh, you don't want to box yourself in as as the, um, the, the feminine guy or, you know, something like that. But I realized, I said, well, that's what mm-hmm. I do really well. And, and that, is part, that is part of me. And mm-hmm. that, I think, obviously, all the casting directors and agents, and man- they saw that. And they saw that, oh, my gosh, this boy is doing this really well. So, I mean, I'm so glad that I went with my gut. And I didn't try to make myself into anything that I wasn't. Um, so that's kind of my, my biggest advice for um, mm-hmm. people picking material is um, pick a song that you love to sing. Because you're going to have to sing it a thousand times. And, and also pick something that is like so unapologetically yourself because that is what people want to see. People want to, to watch you being your Dylan. Like that, that is what they came to see. They didn't come to see you try to put on this crazy character. Um, it's, it's very obvious that that's just not the reality. Yeah. So do you remember songs that you sang to audition for colleges um, one of them was After School Special, which is still in my book. And one of them was Lonely House from Street Scene. It's funny because it makes me realize like, oh, I, I kind of did have an idea going into school, like who I was. And we all came into that school with talent and with some knowledge. Like we obviously got a lot more, but after the four years was all done. But I would absolutely still use the stuff that I, I came into school with. Because if you, if you know yourself and you know what's right for you and, and what you do well, that will never leave you. Okay. Be well. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much for your Say time hi to the family and for me. sharing. I will.
Okay, so we recorded that at least a couple weeks ago. There have been some further changes um, and decisions made relative to Broadway and in general, just how we as a nation are going to proceed um, for Broadway to resume. It has been pushed back to June 7th. Also, sad news for Dylan, but the uh, Book of Mormon tour has officially been canceled. And so that was hard news for him not to be able to, you know, see it through to what he had expected to be the end and to have it end abruptly like so many things have recently. Again, just a reminder to please rate this podcast and send me an email to lisatams at AOL.com or messenger me at processing the process PTP to let me know your thoughts. Please take care of yourself and your loved ones. We are all home. Hopefully that means you're with your families and that you are looking for a silver lining in all of this. And that's tough to do, but I believe that there always is one. Uh, Lastly, on a note regarding seniors and their college choices, I had heard that it would be expected that there would be more movement than usual in terms of the wait lists. Um, I think due to the shift in the economy, that could affect people's decisions on what their budget allows. Maybe people having realizations that they are going to move in another direction. I believe that this time is giving everyone the opportunity to awaken to ourselves and who knows what that will entail and what that will mean to all of us, but particularly to your seniors. All right, wrapping it up. I pray all good things for all of you. God bless you and everything that lies ahead, including final college decisions, but so much more and on every level. Thank you for listening. I will be coming back with another episode. I am not exactly sure when, so please uh, stand by. All right. Thanks again. Be well. (laughs) 